This uh, is the biggest flex. <laughs> we have boxer safe. Good reaction by boxer. Here's the right move from boxer. In boxer's favor. Boxer safe. Uh, we've way. got a douche town center scenario. Oh my goodness, I just saw it. This uh, is the biggest flex <laughs> in the decider of a show match. Gonna get CJ with the Castle Age douche. Boxer safe. Boxer. Boxer safe. Boxer. Boxer safe. We have the biggest flex, 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 flex. All right. All right. Thank you. That's not still not necessary. Still not necessary. I mean you guys didn't have to just stop like that. Could have had a little maybe a little bit more. There you go. Yeah, I mean, just carry, just, just carry out the applause to a natural ending, right? Just there you go. Yeah, thank you. I see you guys in the front, and just fade it out, fade it out. I got a show to do. This is awful if the audio is not even coming in. I hope the applause audio came into that. Anyway, it is Boxer Saint time. Um, we're back on episode three. I will keep coming back. A lot of good feedback. A lot of people tuning in. Really appreciate uh, the fans, the not fans. You know, it takes takes both of you guys, the lovers and the haters, to make this great. So I don't mind which camp you're in. Uh, it's been a good time. We'll keep delivering what we deliver over and over until Lazaro runs us out. Got a couple. It might be a short show. Um there's not a lot going on right now. I like to bring in some conflict. I like to bring in things that are uncomfortable, maybe. I like, I like to pull those into the show. And it's not it's not been a great couple of weeks for drama, um, myself aside. So I did I did have some drama. I had a I had a run in with a Smurf in a tournament. Uh, had a little bit of a dust up. So I had to I had to call out I had to call a Smurf for a Smurf, you know. If I see if I see blue, then then I call it. And dude didn't like it. We had some words. We had a we had a rematch, and sure enough, bro was one hundred percent a Smurf. So uh, we can talk about that more offline if anyone's interested in uh, my battle against this giant Smurf. But the big thing that we'll hold till the end of the show, I'm kind of always on a personal search for the biggest nerd in our game. And I think I found him. I don't have a lot of information to share. I'm hoping you guys can help me get an interview with this nerd. Um, but what I do have is fascinating. And we'll we'll pull that in later. First thing we want to do, I've got some good feedback on this topic. We're going to jump into map reviews again. So you can hear that telltale sound of Age of Empires in the background. We're going to pull up 
some of the 1v1 maps and even a team game map. I don't normally do team games, but there's one that interests me in the team game space. But first, for your 1v1 set these next few weeks, uh, some of the more odd maps, one of the more odd ones we have, Pacific Islands. Where's Pacific Islands? I haven't seen that in 1v1s in a while. So we're going to throw up uh, reveal. Here, hold on. Let me just reset this. I want to throw up. Uh, I want to see the whole map. I want to talk to you guys about what I'm seeing on Pacific Islands and what I would recommend you do if you run into this strange water map. It's the Koreans fight song there. All right, Pacific Islands. What I'm looking at here is really what I would describe as like migration. Okay, you get your starter island with some water buffalo, some stone, some gold, some wood. And and that's it. It's enough to get you started. Then there's some fishing. You're going to want to dock here, pull a hybrid, hybrid kind of a build. Um, six to food, five to wood, get your dock out, and then rock out with your dock out, I guess. You do start with a transport. That's good. So as soon as you've got your first island scouted, uh, really just need your trees and your gold and stone and stuff. Go on and, and get on one of the islands in the middle. In 1v1s, there are two islands in the middle. I don't know how that plays out in teams, but migration has one big island, and so you got to migrate to your big island. Here, with Pacific Islands, you've got two islands. So land one early, uh, maybe even... You know, you get the you get the transport. I might even put my second lumber camp on the on one of these big islands in the center. You're gonna to want to take control of one of those. There are some marshes out there on the edge of the map where there's wood. So I don't know that you'll ever have to go there unless it's a really long game. But yeah, get your second lumber camp on that on one of the middle islands. Um, there are relics out there both in the marshes and on the second islands. I'm seeing two relics on the second islands and one out in the marsh for some reason. I don't know if that's going to be a standard gen. But um, yeah, keep that in mind. If you get control of one of the main islands, you can get two relics. Snag those early. But um, yeah, I would play this like you play Migration, okay? You're going to get on that second island, start throwing out some fire ships. If you're up early, you don't even have to do fires. You could do two to three dock galleys and if you can get galleys massed you can you can really run over somebody who's trying to pump out fires but yeah forward docks i'd recommend to reinforce yourself don't dock on the edges dock out front and that's that's it this is going to be a standard hybrid map if you don't like hybrid maps you're not going to like this most of you guys are going to ban this let's just be let's just be honest you're not going to want to play this Four Lakes is out here. Four Lakes is in the map pool quite a bit. So I'd say you guys are familiar with that. Same thing, hybrid build. Six on food, five to wood. Get you a dock down on the pond closest to you. Um, if you can secure two ponds at most of our elos, you're probably doing pretty good. A couple fishing ships. Don't overdo it on the fishing ships. That, that food runs out in 1v1s pretty quickly. Uh, but it's nice to have. It'll get you through Castle. Start transitioning to castle. Start transitioning to farms in the castle age. Um, yeah, if you're feeling risky, you really want to throw a throw a wrench in things. Go out there and 
dock the other guy's pawns and try to cause some chaos. You want to, at a minimum, get a fire ship out, start killing uh, fishing ships, maybe get a few galleys. Don't overcommit, just disrupt them. Don't try to take the, again, there's not a ton of food on these, on these, uh, on these lakes. They're, they're not going to, it's not going to make it or break it if you steal a pond from somebody. But if the other dude's on two ponds, you want to be on two ponds. Um, I'm not even going to pull four lakes up. Amazon Tunnel is in the 1v1 map. So there's probably some clowns out there. Uh, some of you guys are, are pretty clowny. And if you're not familiar with the term clown, then uh, just queue up for arena on a couple of games and and that'll get you a good definition of what a clown is. Amazon Tunnel is basically a clown map, okay? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. About 15 or 20 tiles out in front, you can wall off your base from the other, from your opponent. Uh, you do have five relics dead in the center. So I don't know that you necessarily want to wall yourself in you might want to go to your opponent and try to wall their side but um if you're go- if you're going to clown it that's the way to go palisades and then get stone walls down as soon as you can and then just boom and just live your life this could be a freaking two-hour game who knows it's way worse than arena um however i will say in the last session where amazon tunnel was in team games we our little game group had a good um had a pretty good time with feudal pressure, okay? Going up 18, 20 pop, sending in scouts, sending in archers, getting through the palisades. Sometimes we even hit before the palisades were up. And we did notice the players at our team game, Milo, were doing the same, okay? A lot of feudal aggression. So while I say this is a clown map, um, if you want to play standard and you want to get in pretty early, try uh, 18 pop scouts or 20, 21 pop archers, one range. And and push through. Play this. Play this in feudal. If they're not ready for feudal, if they're dragging out their dark age trying to fast castle, I think you can really apply some pressure. Um, the golds are going to be exposed. They're not going to be building a secondary wall back here, and you can really make this a fun, dirty game. And that's Amazon Tunnel. That's I recommend feudal pressure. The feudal pressure here, folks. Then we have African Clearing. I'm not pulling African Clearing up. It's been in 1v1s enough. You know African Clearing. It's a nomad map. A lot of little small ponds with shore fish you can take. Lots of hunt. Mongols are kings here. Um, Mongols, you can just drop uh, meals across the map and just vacuum up deer all day long. You don't even, you don't need to go to farms probably till mid to late castle if you're Mongols uh, and still have tons of scouts just roaming. So be ready for some aggression. Uh, It's hard to wall on African clearing. So very aggressive map. You may want to ban that if you're lower ELO, but uh, I won't personally, I won't personally ban it. My personal bans in 1v1. Let's take a look. I'm going to be banning... I'd probably ban four lakes because that's just it kind of stresses me out right now. I'm working I'm wor- working on some aspects of my game that four lakes is not gonna help. I'm not interested in my hybrid game right now. My hybrid map game, not something I care about. Um I'll probably leave Amazon Tunnel open. I'm interested. 
African clearing, I'll leave it open until I get ran through by Mongols a few times. Once that happens, African clearing's out. But Four Lakes is out right now for sure. I'll probably kick out Pacific Islands. Same thing. Hybrid. I'm not working on hybrid. Um, and then I may ban Arena. I just I'm not in a clown mood. So I'll, I'll be leaving open Arabia, Mega Random, Amazon Tunnel, and African Clearing. And if African Clearing gets to be annoying, we might open up Arena. I can. I got a few clown strats that I use to punish the clowns. Sometimes you've got to become the clown in order to kill the clown. You know, you can write that down. You can quote me on that. Become the clown to kill the clown. It's a Boxer Saint classic right there. Um, did we go over? We did not. There is a new team game map that I've never seen. I haven't played it against AI. I've never had interest in this map. And it is the map Sandbank. I've never even looked at this or noticed it. I'm pulling it up for the first time. I'm going to talk to you about it right now. Sand map. Sandbank. Sand map. Sandbank. Okay. Water map. It's hybrid. Um, you might... I can't even tell if you can like drive boats all the way around the outside. A lot of shore fish along the backside. And one deep fish in the corner. Uh, there's a couple of bays and ponds. Uh, this one on one side looks like it's accessible from the outside water. On the other pond looks like it's other island. It looks like it's not. So I'm looking at two islands. If this is teams, hold on. Let's load this bad boy up in like a two v two. So we need to go team one. see what this looks like when you pull it up on teams yeah still two islands and some kind of lake pond bay cuts through these islands so two islands and you're gonna have to cross over with with water to get to the other island but in between there is i guess this is the the namesake there is a sand bank it's a marshy area ships can get past through it land units can walk through it if you land it, uh, the sandbank has a little bit of uh, quite a bit of wood and then a little bit of gold. So wood and gold in this sandbank. There's enough wood and gold on your islands to not need to get on the sandbank. It's kind of dangerous. Um, some demos out here would really wreck any villagers trying to take this gold. But if you've got water pretty well controlled, um, I don't know. Can you build on this? Yeah, you can kind of build. So I guess you could wall yourself in a little bit if you're trying to stop demos from hitting you. Um, yeah, this is going to play like Team Islands, though. So this will be a hybrid map. I don't know how much our group will play this in team games, to be honest. Uh, we'll probably skip this map, but... There you go. It's going to be a team island map. I wanted to bring it up. I hadn't seen it. I wanted to see it with you guys. Okay. Had a quick pause. Pulled up this recording software and it looked like it wasn't recording. I was about to lose my mind. All right. There's your map reviews. Good luck. 
Um, go take some swings on the ladder. Do want to encourage you to hit the ladder. Don't be afraid. These guys are all nerds out here. Just go slap them around. And now I want to move into some YouTube content that I've seen, particularly from our friend Hera. Let's pull Hera up here. Hera's transitioned from uh, gameplay VODs into some really deep strategic and theory crafting. Uh, You don't get that a lot from the age pros. They like to talk about builds and then I like to play and show you how good they are. They don't often explain what their thought process behind things. Most recently came out three hours ago right now. Uh, Hera calls it the Secrets of Dark Age Theory. It's a Hera quick tip. I like the quick tips that he's doing. The Secrets of Dark Age Theory, what he's trying to say and what he explains in the video is you have to have a certain amount of food to get up to um, feudal. Basically, I think he said it's about a thousand food. I wasn't listening too close. I wasn't taking notes because I get it, right? Pro one pro to another. I understand what he's saying. But for you guys that are not professional, uh, I want to break it down. You need about a thousand food, 500 to go up, and then another 500 to make vills, right? You want to be constantly making vills. Another 500 to make vills while you're trying to bank 500, okay? So it takes about a thousand food. And. You also need 275 wood, 100 for a lumber camp, 100 for a mill, and then 75 for three houses uh, to get you up to 20 pop. At about 20 pop, you can go up and be able to do something when you get up to feudal. You can go up faster. You can probably go up 14, 15 pop. But when you get to feudal, you don't have the res banked up to do anything with it. So. 18 to 20 pop is what Harris says has become the uh, the optimum villager number to get up to feudal as well as have enough gathered resources to apply some pressure when you get there. And that makes sense. That's what we see. You see 22 pop men-at-arms, 20, 21, 22 pop archers, 18 pop scouts. We all see that. We see Mongols going up at 16 pop for scouts if they push all the deer because uh, of that hunt bonus. Goss might even have something similar now. They've got some hunt bonuses that are interesting and you can tweak. Um, but even Mongols, 16 pop, when they get up, they're very focused on what they can do. Uh, just from the uptime alone, you can see what they're doing and be able to guess, engage what's going on. Um, that being said, Hera did make a note. You only need two on wood to gather the 275 wood that you need. Uh, to get up to feudal. So a lot of builds call for four. You know, it's pretty, pretty standard as four, sometimes three, but really your bare minimum is two if you're trying to get up quickly. Uh, I've seen that before, but it it does bite you if you're not paying attention. Because um, if you're doing two on wood, that's enough to get you to feudal, but not enough to get you a barracks, a range, whatever you want to open with, even walls. You can't wall with two on wood. Um so in that transition period, you need to throw a bunch on wood, uh, a certain number, sometimes up to 14, depending on what you're going to do. Uh, but definitely I've, I've worked on some builds recently where two on wood, even for archers can work, but you got to account for it in that transition period while you're going up. Uh, that was an interesting kind of dark age theory that Hera mentioned. He did call out 
Um, a lot of players are starting to see that pushing deer, even all three deer, is not necessarily greedy, but it's just a great way to get up because deer comes in faster. You can push the deer, get up, uh, maybe get 18 or 19 pop, and be up with more food banked up than if you had just went two boar and sheep, right? Um, I don't know if that makes sense to all of you guys out there, but uh, deer, deer is fast food. That's, that's, the, that's as clear as I can make it for you. If you can, if you can push deer, if you can't push deer, I recommend giving that a shot. It's going to help you out as you go up. Uh, Harry's got a few of these. Uh, he talks about opening strategy, which I'm going to personally talk about in a minute. He talks about why he skips horse collar, which was interesting. That was about five days ago. I've started to experiment with skipping horse collar. Um, basically horse collar does nothing for you in feudal age. It does a lot for you in castle. So you could keep the 75 food and wood and do more with that. Make some spears, whatever, uh, do more with that in feudal and then figure out castle when you get there. I go back and forth, but, um, these are nice. These are nice changes of pace from Hera. They're all four to four to seven minutes and gives you some real insights into how the pros think and how the guys that are pushing the limit of our builds and of our, of our game, how they're thinking and what's going on in their mind. <coughs> Excuse me. I had to switch over and, uh, and get my water. I, I think I've said before, these podcasts without Lazaro, it really does a number on my voice. I think it's like the deep uh, Marlon Brando uh, gravelly voice that I have. It really is more of a, you know, quiet, quiet voice. I, I speak only when necessary. So having to speak ad nauseum for an hour here really, really taxes the system. I'm a fan of sparkling water. So, uh, if there's any sparkling water executives out there, I'm open for sponsorships. Just give me a call. All right. Moving on. That was just some highlights from, from YouTube, from Hera. Uh, let's talk about most important topic on the Boxer podcast is Boxer. Boxer, what are you what are you doing lately? What are you working on? How's, how's your game looking? Thanks for asking. It's looking excellent. It's looking amazing. I'm hitting the ladder, and when I'm on the ladder, I'm not just hitting the ladder. I'm hitting everybody on the ladder, slapping guys around. Had some training recently with Dave Hun. If anyone knows him, I didn't know him until uh, until I saw him post on Reddit that he's doing some coaching. Coaching was great. He walks walked through some of my videos, uh, some of my, my recordings, found some habits and some patterns of mine that we could tweak, and they've been excellent. I want to pass some of that on to you guys, okay? I'm paying for the training. I am putting the time and the effort in testing these theories. And I want to just package it and hand it to you because I'm that kind of a guy. So here's what I'm pulling from training so far. Uh, number one, within my archer play, I, I tend to just go up at 21, 22 pop. Whatever, whatever the food looks like, I get up that fast. Um, that's slow. Dave wanted me to go up at 20, 21 max. And if I'm going up at 21 or 21 pop for archers, I need to be dropping two ranges when I get there. Okay. I've even started working on a 19 pop 
archers, which is super tight. And, um, but it's only one range. I can only do one range with the 19 pop, unless I do the crazy Hera build that he put, they posted like nine months ago, which I have analyzed. Um, but 22 pop too late for archers. And, and I feel it. I'm getting hit early. You know, I'm 1400 now. I'm getting hit early by these 1500s and uh, early feudal faster than I can put ranges down. And and that's why I'm just going up too late, 30, 40 seconds late. Um, maybe even a minute if I've got some idle time in there for some reason. So cleaning up my idle time, getting my archers out earlier by getting to feudal faster. That feudal timing is becoming very important in this 1400 range. The other thing I've learned in the archer space, uh, your opponent's probably going to make skirms to counter your archers. Even if he's going scouts, when he sees that you've got archers, when he sees you've got an archer's hiv, he's going to counter your archers with skirms. Dave's recommendation was to make two archers to begin with and then hard pivot into skirms, at least six skirms. I never did that. I personally, and maybe some of you, I try to avoid skirms if at all possible because why skirms cost food and what do i need most of to get to castle food i don't want to waste i feel like if i'm making skirms i'm wasting time and delaying my castle age and maybe i am that being said if he's making skirms i'm just going to lose all my archers or i can't engage i spend the whole feudal making archers that i can't fight with and they just run around in circles um so now my new mindset I open a few archers, switch into skirms. I try to match his skirm numbers. Okay. My skirms counter his skirms. That's let that sink in. Your skirms will counter the opponent's skirms. Um, another thing in the skirm space, I hadn't realized skirms produce faster than archers. So almost like 10 or 15 seconds faster. Look it up. That means with one range, if he's opening archers, I'm opening skirms, and we get up at the same time, start producing at the same time, I can have like 30% more skirms than he has archers. So not only do I have a counter unit, but I've got more of my counter unit than he has of his gold unit. That's that's clutch. That's a clutch understanding. Skirms produce fast. Um, so that's my new thing, okay? Open archers, start making skirms. Here's the kicker. What gets me with skirms is when they open up with some scouts. Okay. Not opening, but I make archers. They make skirms. I make skirms. They make scouts. That's the back and forth. When those scouts come out, my thought is add some spears or I don't know what. The spears can get sniped by the skirms the bro just made. So what Dave recommended was when I start seeing scouts or when I scout a stable, you know, coming up, in this whole skirm fight, don't transition to spears. Drop a second range if you don't have it yet and start making archers. Archers counter scouts. Skirms counter skirms. Archers counter scouts. Just blowing your mind? It should. I've always thought scouts and archers kind of break even, you know, but they don't. The skirms can do a little bit of damage on the scouts, okay? So they're helping out. But then the archers can roast these scouts. You want to be making archers anyways, probably. If you're opening archers in feudal, you probably want to get into crossbow later on. So when you see the scouts pivot back to archer production, 
when the scouts die off and you see the dude making more skirms, pivot back to skirms. Always match the other person's skirms investment. Um, if they're making scouts and skirms, they're making two food units. If you're making archers and skirms, you're making one food unit. You're probably going to beat them up to castle. So that's what I've learned in my training so far. Uh, that's been pretty key. That's been clutch in helping me win some games uh, just easily, to be honest. You know, I st- I'll be, I'll admit, I struggled to break into the 1300 range. I think it took me 12 or 15 games at 1299. I'd get there, have a bad game, drop down, get back to 1299, lose again. I did that for about a month. And guys in the Discord watched. You know, we share, we screen share what we're playing, get some feedback. Um, they watched. It was a struggle. But now that I broke through, had some training, formulated my thoughts, I'm, I'm just, quite honestly just smoking these guys. I'm These 1300s that I'm playing, they feel like they're 1Ks. No offense, 1Ks. You guys are doing your best. But you don't want to see me on the ladder, okay? That's that's all I'm saying about a 1K. You, you don't want to be sitting in a 5 or 10 minute queue and then be staring down the barrel of a Boxer Saint opening, okay? It's going to be... It's going to be a rough day for you. You're going to learn a lot, but uh, it's not. this is not going to be fun. Okay. Good luck. Have fun. Just good luck from that point because you're going to need that. So nothing nothing against 1Ks, but these guys feel like 1Ks. Um, it's been good. It's been a good experience. Uh, I'm at 14.06 right now. 1,500 soon. You know, that's coming. And after 1,500... We're coming, we're coming for the two Ks. We, we want Hera, ultimately. We want Viper, ultimately. Uh, every day I wake up, that's the goal. Take a game off Hera, take a game off Viper. We're not stopping until we get there. But lucky for you all, you get to see the development of a professional right in front of you. Okay, I'm an open book. Um, stop by the stream anytime. We can talk about what I'm learning. We can get you better. And you can just kind of ride my coattails as I carry along. And one day when I hoist up that Red Bull trophy, uh, take that sweet $30,000 cash home, you know, you can say I was there for the beginning of this. I saw this guy when he was coming up, uh, played some team games with him, get him in while you can, because once I get popular, you know, once we, once the thing's rolling, I'm just not going to have the time, you know, just not, not going to happen. No, no offense to you guys, but going to be hard. It's going to be hard to make time for all the people that want my time. So that's where I'm at. I do have a, a great flow chart for openings. Uh, I had an interview with a top 150 player. I'll, I'll leave the names out as tacky to brag, but uh, interviewed a top 150 player. And I just, I just started asking him, how do you decide what to open with? You know, we got the drush, we got the scouts. We're great with archers. We can do all these things. I can go men in arms if I want to. Um, I can fast castle if I'm feeling it. I can pull a douche off, you know, if it if it calls for it, if we're on Socotra. I can do all these things. I don't exactly know when to use which one. He broke it down like this. I got a flow chart. You want to hit me up on stream sometime? Twitch.com slash Boxer Saint. Find me. I'll provide the flow chart to you. But long and short, number one, you can always drush. Two two man drush, three man drush. Um, make it a pre mill. I'm told by those that know that nobody does post mill drush anymore. So 
pre-mill, drush, two militia, three militia, doesn't matter. You can always drush. That's a good opening on any map. Well, any open map, any Arabia-style map. The goal of the drush is to buy yourself time to secure the resources you need for the rest of your feudal pressure, okay? Drush is in Dark Age, so for, for your feudal pressure when you get there. always You can always drush. That being said, you then need to look at your map. If you have forward gold, that's a bad map to use archers on. Forward gold is easy to pressure, easy to hit. If you have forward gold and you're Britons, say, and you really want to do archers, you don't really want to go scouts, you don't want to invest in it, it's not a good call, then you need to drush. That drush is going to buy you time to protect that forward gold. Put your ranges in front of the gold so you can reinforce right there. Um, and then start walling from the gold back. So that way your gold is protected. You can sustain that archer production all because you drushed, kept them occupied on their base while you were securing your gold. Same thing with berries. If you have forward berries and you want to scout, you have mag yards or something, really good scout sieve. You've got franks. Then you need to drush to secure your berries. Same thing. Put your, put your, um, stable in front of the berries. If you get a range later, put it in front of the berries. Secure those berries, wall out from there. Um, the drush gives you time to do that. The inverse, if you've got back berries and you're a generic sieve, it's a great time to open scouts. You want the food for scouts. You don't really need the gold right now. <clears throat> Your berries are in the back, so go ahead and scout. Use open scouts. Um, you can go 18 up. Get your scouts out. Start walling, okay? Just leaving your berries in the back wide open with no walls. That's not great, you know? That's still under threat, but it's easier to protect them than normal. Gold, if you got gold in the back, you got a decent archer sieve, open archers. Um, wall, wall off your gold, protect your gold. Use your feudal pressure as a smoke screen to get your base walled and your resources secured. This whole game is about securing resources. It's most important early on. If you get pushed off gold and you're going full archers, it's usually game over. You know, if, if you're pushed off gold early feudal, you can't make the unit you need to make. Um, maybe you can open skirms if he's got archers, but if he's going scouts, you can't switch into skirms. Um, it's going to be a bad day for you. So secure those early resources. Use the drush as a resource secure platform. A lot of you guys are going to be lower elo and you're, you're thinking, I can't drush. You need to, you need to start practicing it. Um, I'm enjoying the drush. You stand ground. You don't, you don't have to cause damage for a drush to be useful. If you can push them off that forward resource, okay, take from your base and go to their base and do what you're trying to stop them from doing. If you can use that drush to push them off that forward gold, push them off that forward berries, that hurts. They've now got to go find somewhere else to take that res, or they've got to mount a fight and push you back. Um, just hang out there. If they're going to give you the gold, give you the berries, ain't no reason to leave. Just stay right there. Continue to wall up your base. Keep your eco going. You stand ground. Attack the mill so you guys don't run under a TC. Um, just being there gets in their head and messes them up. Forcing small walls is good. Makes them very inefficient. Um, there you go. The drush. The drush, the perfect opening, according to a 150 player. Should have opened with that. That's, that should have been my teaser. I found the perfect opening in Age of Empires. Come on, Boxer. 
All right, two more items, and then we'll walk out of here. I do have, I have a Twitch highlight. There's a Twitch streamer I've been enjoying during the day. His name's Spreezy. S-P-R-Triple-E-Z-Y. Uh, you guys might know him from StarCraft or something. I, I have no background in StarCraft, but I gather that he's played some StarCraft. He's played some other games. Uh, dude streams a lot. He's currently setting around 1,800 ELO. He's working hard. He's on Malay this week. He takes about one sieve per week and just plays it the whole week trying to figure the sieve out. Um, he's got a lot of games in sporadically over the years, but he's really honing in on age. What I like about Spreezy, he plays a game, and then he goes back and he watches and analyzes the game immediately. He doesn't he doesn't bounce around. He doesn't complain a lot. He just says, how, how did I lose that game? Or sometimes as importantly, how did I win that game? How did that guy lose it from the position he was in? Uh, I like Spreezy's analysis. He's obviously a good player. Um, doesn't have a ton of viewers. And when I say by that, I mean he's he responds to chat quite a bit. Okay, you got questions on what he's doing and why. He'll respond. And sometimes he'll respond, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> he, d- he doesn't always know the best, uh, the best re- rationale for how he's responding. Maybe he's seen it from another player. He's learning things. He's figuring it out. I like that. I appreciate that about Spreezy. So if you want to learn, you want to see some high-level play, higher-level play, uh, maybe than normal, check out Spreezy. Ask him some questions. I, I will say he doesn't have as much game knowledge as some of you might. Okay, Doesn't always know some of the intricate details. Who gets bombard cannons, for example, or... Uh, how much a tech costs, or sometimes even unit counters. You know, there might be a unique unit that he hasn't seen or played a lot, trips him up. Um, for me, I feel like I'm on the other end. I know all the unit counters. I know all the game mechanics and details. I just can't execute, okay? But this guy can execute. So it's interesting to see his success and understand it's more than just game knowledge that puts these guys up in the 1800s to 2Ks. It's more than just game knowledge. Uh, I think you see that with, you know, maybe Leary or somebody recently in one of the tournaments. There was a, an upgrade they didn't know they had or, or something they forgot about. They didn't know the Civ even had it. And you wonder, like, how are you this high? And you don't know, like, the simple X's and O's um, because there's something different, you know. There's something different in execution that these guys have that we don't. Something translated over from uh, from StarCraft or, or whatever their backgrounds are. Something that we're missing, and I like to analyze that. That's why I like Spreezy. He's he's a different player. He's not an he's not an OG age player, but he's really good. And uh, I'm en- I'm enjoying watching his his uh, his story, his progression in Age of Empires. Finally, wrapping it up again. Short podcast. Sorry. We'll we'll try to stir some drama up, have something something better. But there is a giant nerd out there that I'm looking for, and I want your help. I tried to get Reddit to help me, and uh, the Age 2 Reddit, not very resourceful. I'm hoping you guys are more resourceful. I saw this player. Played two, two people last week. He played Grathring on Fortress. Fortress is out of the map pool now. Played Grathring on Fortress. 
the guy played Turks, and he just, you know, Turks, Fast Castle, Janissaries, Monks, Siege, full-on pressure. Somehow Grath pulled it off. Got the W. Then later on, same player plays against Sarums, another Twitch streamer. Sarums didn't make it out of that one with a win, but the guy did the same thing. Turks, Fast Castle, and Fortress. He's favoriting Fortress. Turks, Fast Castle, and Fortress. Janissary, Monks, Siege, just full-on pressure. We then start looking collectively at this player. And this player started playing in July of 2020. Okay. They have 1,500, no, 15,000, sorry. Since July of 2020, 15,705 games. That was a week ago. Uh, someone on Reddit did average this out and said that's about 15.6 games per day since July of 2020. 15.6 games per day. Even if those are going half an hour, okay, you're looking at close to eight hours of gaming every day, eight hours of age every day. It's probably more. It's probably closer to nine, 10, 11 hours of gaming, maybe 12. Every single day, no days off. So, if this guy did have a day off, maybe they're playing 18, 19 games per day. These are 1v1 games, not team games, okay? This is one of the the largest leaps in games that I've seen. Uh, as far as 1v1 games go, the second place player, as far as who has the most games, the person behind him in second place, this player is in the lead by almost 4,000 games. At 15,000, almost 16,000 games, he's got 4,000 more than the next guy. It's incredible. This is a giant nerd. Huge, huge nerd. Think of how much this person has experienced, how much they know, how much they've seen in the game, different scenarios. I want so much to interview this person for this podcast. They're from Taiwan, so I recognize there might be a language barrier. I'm open to writing out some questions, getting them translated, having this player write me back, translating it back into English. Whatever it takes, I'll get somebody to read that transcript with me. We'll make it fun. I just want to interview this person. I have so many questions. So many questions. How do you play 16 games every day for three years? How do you do it? What is your job? How do I have that job? Are you, does this person stream somewhere? Is there some Taiwanese stream where he's just hammering away? He's blowing our streamers away. I'll, I'll give them that much. Um, yeah, where do you live? How do you afford rent? How do, what do you eat? How do you maintain that level of just in sheer endurance? So many questions. I want to know. I feel like you guys want to know that too. What can we learn from this person that plays our game? 16 times every day uh, and has done it consistently for three years. This is a gold mine. Help me find this person. Uh, Player's name is in Chinese, obviously. I've found the translation. It is something about uh, Katie did. Okay, the the bug. Katie did is a bug, right? Yeah some kind of a green bug. 
like a big old grasshopper looking sucker. Whatever that means in uh, in Taiwan, that's obviously an important creature. Help me find the Taiwanese Katie did player, and you just just go. Let me do it right now. You just go to aoe2.net and sort by games played, and there he is, right at the top. Current rating is thirteen oh eight as of right now. Uh, next highest player is Yummy. 9130. Okay, they're 12,000. Below Yummy is the professional player Ozone, 2.3K. Um, you know, I might even take an interview with Yummy, whoever Yummy 9130 is. Yummy has 12,000 games and has a rating of 993 right now. Uh, played about four hours ago. I would, I would even interview Yummy just to know what's going on. What is your, what is your life? Uh, what's your life like? Ozone's a close third. Ozone's got to 10,600. Ozone's a streamer, though. I know how Ozone plays so many games. Um, he streams them. He plays all the time. Uh, you got Grath Rain coming up with a respectable 9,000. Uh, Grath plays quite a bit online. And then working on down, uh, Survivalist is making this list. Top, uh, I don't know what that is, top 20 in games played. Survivalist has a lot of energy. A lot of uh, a lot of notoriety and a lot of a lot of knowledge that he shares, but we need we we want knowledge. I want knowledge from the guys that have two or three times as many games as survivalist. Okay, yummy. This Katie did player. Help me find these guys and get some good content out to you. And that's where we're gonna wrap up. I'm gonna wrap up there. Uh, I just get the feeling there's some guys on the ladder right now that are getting by pretty easy. I got to go slap them around. Um, I'm getting hit up. My agent's calling me. Uh, I got to take that call and figure out what we're doing with these brand deals. I'd love to stick around and talk more. Hey, find me on Twitch. Okay, let's talk. Let's play some team games maybe offline. I don't do team games online. All right, let's. we got we got quality. We got to cover here. Let's play some games. Hit me up on Twitch. Tag me in the Discord. If you like what we're doing here, let me know. If you don't like it, uh, I guess you can let me know. I'll I'll take it into account. Uh, but we'll, I'm going to keep doing this format and keep doing what I'm doing until somebody yells, stop. All right? St- I still don't have any kind of a quote. Uh, I, I need to do like an ending quote of like keep swinging or something. I, I just don't like that. It's kind of lame. Um Let's just, let's do this, okay? Uh, this has been the ASAP Weekly Podcast. This has been Boxer Saint. Good night.